You're listening to the Redemption Church Podcast as we go through a series called A Beacon of Light, a case study of Hezekiah. All right, so uh, 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 32 is where we're going to be at tonight. Man, I I hope that you guys have really enjoyed this series uh, on the person of Hezekiah. Hezekiah is not a book of the Bible, but he is a king in Chronicles and 2 Kings and Isaiah. He's a key figure uh, like no other king before that walked with God and trusted in the Lord. And we've been looking at his life to learn, and we've been learning a lot of stuff from this series called A Beacon of Light. A beacon of light. And so we've really been sort of walking through 2 Chronicles 28 through 33. We'll finish tonight. Uh, Been infusing Isaiah chapter 38, 39, 2 Kings chapter 19, 20. Have a reading plan because the Bible actually mentions a lot about this person, this character. Um, And so I hope you've learned a lot. I hope you've learned some history, right? Sometimes studying the Old Testament is very scary. It's very hard because you have to learn a lot. Like the nation of Israel got split up and there was two kingdoms and 10 kingdoms up north and Judah and down south with the capital and like all this different stuff. Um, I hope you learned that, you know, um, the, the prophets of the day of Hezekiah were Micah and Hosea and Isaiah. And so they're just not random books in the Bible. These were people that were alive when he was ruling and reigning, that he spoke. They spoke to the nation of Israel and to Judah at the time. The world leader of this time when he was alive was Assyria. They were really the, the leading empire of the, of the king. And uh, Jude, uh, Hezekiah is one of the 20 kings in Judah. He was only, there was only eight good kings out of those 20, and Hezekiah was one of them. And so um, most importantly, I think, over the history and over the lessons and putting the pieces together, I hope you learn more about God. I hope that as we've been studying Scripture, you've been seeing in this section how God interacts with real people. People, people of authority like kings, but people like prophets, people like the nation, all this intertwining, and our God is still the same today. And he uses people like us to be beacons of light in our cultural moment. Despite our family of origin, our history, uh, the sin, our family, all this stuff, besides what's going on in the culture right now, we can be used by God just as Hezekiah was used by God, and we can actually be a beacon of light for other people where people can look at our lives and bring glory to him. And so even in the midst of people's sin, he was used by God, and we see that the love of God was prevalent then as much as it is today. Uh, we could always turn to God. And so tonight, we're going to conclude our series by talking about Hezekiah's legacy. Hezekiah's legacy. And I'm going to try to do this in a certain amount of time. Second Chronicles chapter 32, verse 32 is where we'll start, we'll pick up. This final lesson where we learn about this godly king and reflect on his life. And we're going to go into his son's life, Manasseh, uh, just so that way we have context and understand the following. And so let's read this long section. We'll start uh, at the end of chapter 32 and just read about nine verses down so you can understand a little bit of, of, of Hezekiah's legacy and what God wants to teach us through this last sort of look into his life. Verse 32. Now the rest of the acts of Hezekiah and his good deeds, he did good works when he was alive. Behold, they are written in the vision of Isaiah the prophet, the son of Asma. Now remember, Isaiah wrote a a whole other book. Uh, It was a long book. He was a prophet of the day, not only during uh, Hezekiah, but his dad and then his son as well. And so, um, you know, this is the time where he's prophesying, but also his life, 
Hezekiah was in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel, First and Second Kings. So you're just starting to see this whole picture together. Now in verse 33 it says, And Hezekiah slept with his fathers, meaning he passed away. He died. He went to be with the Lord. And they buried him in the upper part of the tombs of the sons of David, because he did good deeds. He was a good king. And all of the Judah, all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem did him honor at his death. They honored him. He was well known of his day as a good king. And Manasseh, his son, reigned in his place. Now, I need you to understand this and read this along when we talk about legacy. 1 verses 9 in chapter 33, when we talk about his son. His son, Manasseh, verse 1 says, was 12 years old when he began to reign. He reigned for 55 years in Jerusalem. So we have this new king come on, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. For he rebuilt the high places that his father Hezekiah had broken down. And he eradicated or erected altars to the balls, those false gods, and made Asheroth, and worshipped all the host of heaven and served them. So he was into false idols, building altars for them. In verse 4 it says he built altars in the house of the Lord. It's not just in high places, but defiling the temple and where the Lord should be. As of, of which the Lord had said, in Jerusalem shall my name be forever. But he disobeyed that commandment. And he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. He burnt his sons as an offering in the valley of the son of Hanmon. Remember Ahaz, his grandpa, he did the same thing. False sacrifices, so much so. We just prayed for a little baby boy, but he was sacrificing his baby because of the worship of this false god. So sad. He used fortune-telling, omens, sorcery, and dealt with medians and with... I love it, Brian. Necromancers? So it's so funny because so many of you guys knew that word, okay? Uh, that's basically a demonic person talking to the dead, bringing people up. It's like full of witchcraft. And you guys all knew that. I didn't. Um, I don't know if that tells us something about our congregation in church or... No, I'm just joking with you. Uh, the ESV actually has this word, and uh, he was dealing with a lot of demonic activities, the idea. Fortune-telling, omens, cultish stuff that actually happens today. And so he did much evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking God himself to anger. And the carved image of the idol that he had made, he set in the house of God, of which God said to David and to Solomon his son, in this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever, and I will no more remove the foot of Israel from the land that I appointed to your, for your fathers, if only they will be careful to do all that I have commanded, all the law, all the statutes, and the rules given through Moses. The writer is trying to make a point. He's continually sinning and specifically sinning against the Levitical law against the word of God, the word of Moses that God spoke and told them not to do this. And he is going directly and, and sinning against God himself. Manasseh, verse 9 says, led Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem uh, astray to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord destroyed before the people of Israel. And we'll stop there. You know, when looking up the word legacy, as we talk about Hezekiah's legacy, uh, if you look it up in Webster Dictionary, it's actually a gift by especially a, a amount of money or personal property. 
That's what legacy means. And Proverbs 13, 30, uh, 13.22 says, A good man, he leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Uh, this is an important part of process when we think about legacy. But although uh, we have this definition, a more accurate picture and what I want to describe to you tonight is something so much more than a legacy of finances, but a legacy of faith, of character, of trust in God. Leaving behind a legacy means making an impact that will last longer than you die. And I think we understand that. We know that. It's not just giving a whole bunch of cash to your children or cash to other people or property. What we want to do as people of God is leave something more valuable than money, which is God himself, our faith, character, trust, showing people, our children, and people we interact with the love of God and what it means. And so um, it can be financially if you want to leave a legacy in that way, but often more more often than not, it is a people that you touch in your life that will leave a lasting impact and legacy that makes a difference. Because Christ said all the law, the sum, sums up, not in just the good deeds that you do, but it's in the loving Him and loving other people. You know, there are some people in this room that have a lot of money, and there are others that are not. And you know what? I view you not for your money, but how you impact my life. I love you all. And that that actually sticks in my mind rather than like, okay, do they have money or do they not? No. When I think of someone's name, I think, man, are they loving? Are they godly? Are they impacting my life? When I pray for you all, I'm smiling. Those are the things that actually make a difference in another person's life. I mean, if you want to buy me a new car, you can as well. That will make an impact as well. So I don't want to neglect legacy as that definition, but I hope you understand what I'm saying. It's not all about money. It's not all about money. The influence and impact you make on people's life, the love is so important. And the book that I recommend, and I just came across it this last year, Nearing Home, Billy Graham wrote this. He said about legacy, the greatest legacy one could pass on to one's children and grandchildren is not money, but rather a legacy of character and of faith. Let us not forget that godliness plus contentment is great gain. This is what we want to strive for. This is what we want to leave to our children and our children's children. And this is what we, we, need, we should admire in Hezekiah's life. Yes, he was a wealthy king. Yes, he left even the throne to his son. But rather than just wealth, he gave him a godly example, trusting in how to walk in God's ways and impact. And so too with us. He led this, left this legacy not just to his son, but man, he left it to us so we can study even years later and say, wow, that is, that is a godly example. That is great leadership. If we want to have a great legacy in our lives, it won't start with our money. It will start with our character, with faith as we pass on to other people. Our love for God will make a difference. And this is so important to understand. I think the deep within all of our hearts, we all know that love has the greatest impact. You know, when Jesus summed up the law, and there's multiple passages, but in Mark chapter 12, he summed up the law on loving people, loving others. Um, There was a person, a scribe, he responded to Jesus' answer. And the response that this scribe said was, you are right, teacher. You're right, rabbi. I think there's something in our hearts when we talk about the love of God and character and faith, and when we hear God's truth, our spirit clings and says, yeah, this is right. Life is more than just money. I don't don't want to just pass on finances, but faith to my children, character. Even 
the world understand this? When I was looking up legacy and doing my Webster Dictionary stuff, because, you know, I got to do that. Um, And so uh, I came across this blog uh, post by sciencecare.com. I don't know if they're a reputable company. I mean, they have science in their name. So I figured, okay, let me just click on it and see what, see what the world is saying. They're a popular website. This is how they say, these are some steps or things that they said, it's important to leave a legacy. And maybe you're at that stage where you're like, I want to leave something. I want to make an impact. Nine ways to leave a legacy by sciencecare.com. Write down family traditions. Write down family stories. Write down stories about yourself. Pass along skills. Write down family recipes. Pass on family photos. Take a DNA test. Start a family tree and tell stories. And what I just find interesting about this from a secular point of view is none of it had to involve money. Because at the end of our lives, we ain't taking any of it with us. Right? And so legacy, Hezekiah's legacy, Hezekiah's legacy, passing on character, values. And we know from Scripture in Deuteronomy 6 of how important it is to pass on our faith, our values to our children if we're going to make an impact. And so the first thing I want you to see in Hezekiah's legacy is he sort of passes, is he was a godly example. He was a godly example. Let's reread verse 32. And just notice this. Now the rest of the acts of Hezekiah and his good deeds. He did a lot of acts and there was good deeds. They're written in the vision of Isaiah and in the book of Kings, Judah, and Israel, right? The text basically says that Hezekiah's deeds were good. People noticed them as a godly example. And the Lord even wrote them down so we would understand and reread them. He was a godly example. In other words, his life was worth studying. His life was worth studying. It's a scary question to ask that about yourself, isn't it? Is my wife, my life worth following? Is it worth someone examining me and following in my steps? And I think this is a great understanding of a godly and great legacy. Can your life lead others to Christ? Is that can be summed up in your life? Are you a loving person? Can other people follow your example? Think about Jesus' legacy for a moment and how he called others to follow him and his life of love to follow the Father. And are we not called to follow Jesus in his ways and walk in his steps and say, as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ? We want people following our example, but is it a godly example? Hezekiah, it says, they honored him. They recognized him. They, they positioned him. They, they said he is a godly example. He was following God, and he made a significant influential, he was a significant influential person in history because of his good deeds for the Lord. Because of his good deeds for the Lord. Jesus made a significant and influential impact in our history like no other person because of his good deeds for the Lord. Walking in humility, submitting himself to the Father, being a person of love and not just saying, well, forget those sinners. I'm going to come now in humanity, he said, and love them, live a perfect life we couldn't live and die for us, for our sins, and he gives eternal life. That's an amazing impact and legacy that we see not only in Hezekiah, but our greater King Jesus, that when you love and you submit to the Father, it's going to make an impact. Think about next week, Easter weekend, 
Millions upon millions of people are going to be worshiping our king altogether. Just because of this character, this obedience, the submission, the loving God. 1 Peter 2.21 says it this way, Jesus is our example so we might follow in his footsteps. Now I know what you're saying. Listen, I'm not Jesus, all right? I understand you're not. I'm not worshiping you tonight. However, Jesus is our king. We do follow him and we understand we're not the son of God. We're not perfect. But did you know the Bible says that you should be devoted to good works as well? You should be submitting yourself to the Father, should be walking in the Spirit. And when you do that, you'll have great impact and a legacy just like Jesus and just like Hezekiah and just like any other person that submits and repents and turns to God and imparts uh, and submits to His Spirit and lives out the things of the Spirit. Jesus told us this in His teaching in John chapter 15. John 15, 5, He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is it is a he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing we can have confidence that we will bear fruit as we trust and abide in Christ what made hezekiah so great he trusted in the lord will not proverbs say trust in the lord with all your might lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path he will guide you he will empower you he will use your life to make an influence we can be the people of god that are beacons of light in our culture, and just like the Apostle Paul saying, follow me as I follow Christ. As you follow Christ, you could be a godly example. You can have an impact. You can leave a legacy, not only to your kids and your grandkids, but to the cultural moment and the community and the people around us. Now, this doesn't mean you'll be perfect, right? The last two weeks, it's sort of been a bummer studying the last like legacy of Hezekiah and in all of his pride being tested and his boasting and his sin. Like the guy sort of blew it a lot. Um, and it's sort of been making me sort of depressed, really. That's what sin does. <laughs> when, you, when you walk in sin and you study about sin, it's just a bummer. But I love that the text clearly says he did good deeds. And even though he messed up, Part of that deed was repentance and turning to God. And we see that God forgave Hezekiah. We don't need as Christians to walk in forgiveness or walk in perfection. We need to walk in forgiveness. We just need to be repenting. And God remembers the good deeds that we do, not our bad deeds. That was nailed to the cross. We're going to be judged, but it's going to be in this, this, this throne room where God's going to actually reward us. It's an amazing experience that we get to have as believers to say, okay, God in his humility forgave Hezekiah. In my humility, he'll forgive me. We need to hear this because as long as we are alive, it's never too late to repent. So many people think about, well, I, I, I have this legacy and this, all this life I did the wrong thing and now you know, my good deeds won't add up. Right? We think about the scale, the good and the bad. Uh, even if I have two more years left and I follow God, well, I've lived a sinful, rotten life and done all this bad stuff. Christ forgives that and he rewards this. That's the grace of God. You can follow God. You can have a legacy no matter how much you blew it. Man, you, I, I look back and I think I was so stupid when I did that or I thought this. I can't believe I was even pastoring, doing this or doing that. And I just, when the Holy Spirit brings that stuff to my mind, I get an encouragement because it's like, thank you, God, that you brought that. I could repent. I could change. And now I can walk with you today. We can always grow. We can always repent. We can walk in humility. 
And notice how God defined Hezekiah's life and his leadership. It was not by his failures. It was not by his failures, but it was in his trust in him. Second Kings, we read this a lot. It's been the theme as far as a follow-up and an example. Chapter 18, verses 5 through 6, it talks about Hezekiah. He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him among the kings of Judah after him, nor among those who were before him, for he held fast to the Lord. It's not because he was perfect. He held fast. Even when he fell, even in sin, the text says he repented. He walked in humility. He held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but he kept the commands that the Lord commanded Moses. He didn't give up even when he messed up. God just doesn't want you to give up. You're going to mess up. You're going to still blow it, but don't give up. You can have a legacy. You can make impact. You can love God and you can love people no matter what your history is. The power of God is this powerful. This grace is amazing. And even though Hezekiah did sin, wasn't perfect, the Lord records his good deeds, his godly example, and he continued to repent and trust him. The bummer thing is, though, is when we walk in our our own sinful ways in the flesh, there was consequences. And we've been studying about that, learning about that. The nation's about to be taken over by Babylon. As he showed those princesses, all the, tempta- all the temptations, all the, the valuables and all of his boasting, there's a consequence for our sin. So I don't want to neglect that. There is those things, but the Lord knows how to restore. That's why I had you read not this week, not only Second uh, Chronicles 33, but the rest of the chapter. As you see the consequences of sin to warn you. Or the prophet Zephaniah, he's prophesying as the Babylonian kingdom is coming in and he's still sharing the heart of God for the people. But we also see Josiah, Hezekiah's grandson, actually great-grandson, the last good king of Judah before the Babylonian kingdom took in. Did you know Hezekiah followed in, or Josiah followed in Hezekiah's footstep? As we read it this week, he celebrated the Passover just as his great-grandpa did. Said, said, he saw that example and he said, I can do it. You know, when we, will, when we live for God, people can say, well, I can do it too. I don't have to be perfect. I could be a, you could be a witness. So he did good trusting in the Lord. Are you doing good trusting in the Lord? I know it's hard at times. I know we feel like we want to give up, but just don't give up. Keep trusting in God. But as we move to 2 Chronicles 33, we see Hezekiah's son, Manasseh. It's such a bummer because he was a wicked king. He was a wicked king. Read with me just that first text. Uh, Verse 33 of that chapter, it said, Hezekiah slept with his fathers and they buried him in the upper part of the tombs of the son of David and all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem did, uh, did him honor at his death. They recognized that. And Manasseh, his son, reigned in his place. And you would think, well, that's awesome. We just had this great king and now Manasseh is about to take over. It's going to be incredible. But just these first two verses, Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord according to the abominations of the nations whom uh, the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. Text goes on, describes the wickedness of Manasseh, what all he did, rebuilding these altars that his dad actually tore down neglecting the word of the Lord and going against the Lord, having these wicked people, these omens, these sorcerers, these magicians, uh, cultish false gods, sacrificing to them, so much so 
It's so hard to even understand this or grasp this that he even sacrificed his own son. His own sons. Verse 9, it says, Manasseh led Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem astray. Manasseh had a legacy as well. He had impact as well. You see Hezekiah and the godly leadership trusting in God, loving God. Now you're going to see another person, his son, not trust God, go against God, and the result is terrible. It said that Manasseh led Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem astray to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord destroyed before the people of Israel. Which leads me to the next important lesson when talking about legacy. Every generation must choose to serve the Lord. Every generation. We learned this lesson in the beginning of our study when we looked at Ahaz, his father. Remember that? Hezekiah's evil father. Uh, It was an encouraging reminder for us in that study because it was like, hey man, you can choose to be a light even in the midst of the darkness and the culture and your family origin. doesn't really matter, but Manasseh, we learned the same truth but with a negative sense. With a sense of, oh no, just because our parents, our culture, even people that are friends in the church walk with God, it doesn't mean that it means we're going to walk with God. We have to decide and choose. Every generation, it's not guaranteed that if one generation goes through revival, the next will. You have to have your own faith. And many of you know that. Being young, you you may have been raised in the church, but you had to, like Nico said, like I I actually took that Bible because it was like the first time I wanted to own a Bible. There's something that is a personal decision and choice that we all have to make. We all must choose for ourselves whom we would serve. And I think this is so important, especially for us as parents to make sure and remind ourselves how spiritual it is to follow God. We can't just have systems. We need to have the Spirit of God touch our kids' lives. We don't want just to just create a boundary or a box or even just carry them to church and just say, okay, great, let's have the program. We as parents need to pray for our kids, not just program them or have a system. We can't pass our faith on to our children and our grandchildren, but we can surely influence them and be a legacy and show them what is right and what is true, and we could pray for them. We can be godly examples, show them the great fruit of following Jesus, but in the end, Manasseh had to make his own decision, and he teaches us that each person must decide if they are worshiping the Lord or not. That includes us, that includes our kids, that includes our grandkids. Peter even say, you live a godly life and honor God, so even so much so if people decide not to follow God, then it will be condemnation on their own head. We have to decide. We have to follow God for ourselves, whether the pastor is following God or falls into sin or whether our friends fall in sin. Or like, it's our moment. All of us. You can't just be born a Christian. You need to be reborn by the Spirit of God putting your faith in Jesus and making sure that we understand the gospel so that we are preaching the gospel to everyone, including our children. Not just telling them stories about family recipes or what we value, but the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the power of God that saves. And I think that the enemy can come in and bring a lot of condemnation when it comes to our children or people we invest in that aren't walking with God. You know, Satan can actually bring this verse into mind. It's Proverbs 22.6. It says, Train up a child in the way he should go, 
And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. You've heard that before. We just train a child, train a child, train a child. The only problem is sometimes you can't teach spiritual things. You've got to pray, and the Spirit of God must teach your children. They have to submit to the Lord himself. We think that, well, we've done something wrong if our children fall into sin. But sometimes this is not the case, and this verse is not saying that. It's saying we as parents need to stand and should stand and be an influence in our life and train our child. Train them in the way that they will go so they know what is right. So even if they do depart, they know what is a beacon of light and can follow God. Ultimately, everyone must decide, even if they depart from the truth. I remember growing up, and I had a few rebellious years. My dad was a pastor, my mom and and, uh, dad. And um, even when I knew I was doing something wrong, I knew it was wrong. You know what I'm saying? Just because of their godliness, because of their standard, even if I disagreed and I disobeyed, and it actually saved me a lot of trouble. I never did drugs. And the only reason was because of the fear of God that I had for my parents. It was, that was the only reason. It was like, I don't even know why. God just protected me because I knew that there was a standard and their influence impacted my life. Now, they didn't, they didn't necessarily like save me. The Spirit of God saved me, but they influenced my life. And even when I was in sin, I was miserable because I knew that this was not the right thing to do. We, we do make a difference as parents. But you can't blame yourself for how your child goes. And there will be times when people you invest in, they go left and they go right and they sway and they swerve. You have to understand this proverb is a principle for us to know that we influence our kids, but it is not a promise that they will follow God. And I've seen a lot of people just go to this and just say, train, 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 when they're not teaching with their own lives, being a godly example and praying for people. You can't beat salvation into someone. Like even in our culture, we need to understand when we're preaching the gospel, we need to be praying that the Spirit of God does a move that only He can do. And we need to be obedient to following God and preaching His gospel, but ultimately it's between God and other people. Hezekiah was a godly example. But even still, Manasseh chose to walk in sin. And this can and does happen still today. Ezekiel, the prophet, he would come along and say this, The soul who sins shall die, and the son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer for the iniquity of the son. The righteous of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wicked of the wicked shall be upon himself. Meaning, we actually have to give an account for all of our actions including our children, including the people we love, including our spouses. So we need to be asking instead of condemning ourselves, hey, am I following God? Am I I making an influence? Am I trusting God for myself? Because I need to make that commitment for myself and out of the overflow of my heart, I'll impact other people. And haven't people that have walked with God, haven't they touched you because they've loved God very well? Not because they pounded something into you or a program or nagged you, but because, man, they know God and it influences you. And so be that type of person. The best way you can leave a lasting legacy, whether we be your children or whoever, is have faith in Christ for yourself and pour into your relationship with God and let that influence others because you need to make that decision as well. Well, lastly, as we conclude our series and we're talking about legacy, I, th- I hope that you get this point in an encouragement. 
Your life matters. Do you see it? Just how influential it is, just important it is. Hezekiah's life matters. His faith, his actions made a difference significant. You can come on up. Hezekiah was a godly example to others and to us because he trusted the Lord. And his good deeds affected others and made a lasting uh, legacy. And so we should walk away from our study in this life learning that our lives and trusting Jesus and doing his will will make a lasting impact. It can get so discouraging when you look at all the darkness and the mess in this world. But we can see through Hezekiah that he followed God and it affected himself, his family, the nation, the culture, the world, even us today. This is an important thing that we need to understand. Our life matters. Our life has a real impact in other people. We could be a godly influence or an ungodly influence. And so we need to decide. You know, Jesus taught us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 and 16. He said, you are a light. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. It's interesting when you follow Jesus, when you live for him and you make love, loving him and loving other people, all these other things flow. Like Matthew 6, Jesus would say, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will, will be added unto you. What a privilege it is that we have to be beacons of light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, but you are the light of the world. We can see that in Hezekiah's life. His legacy is making an impact even for us today as we study the scripture. God is able to work in our lives. He's worked in Hezekiah's lives. He'll work in other people's lives. We just need to be the generation that says, I'm going to follow God with my life and let him have the fruit and results. And so we see this in the gospel. There's good news for us because God has given us his spirit to make an important impact in our moment, in our culture, in our community today. And he's done this through the gospel, not of us trying harder or doing better or saying, let's look at Hezekiah. What are the notes? We need to be like him. He's done this by coming on the cross in humility, dying for our sins, and giving us grace so we can have the Spirit of God to be in commune with God and walk with God. And so I hope that from this series you learned history, but you learned about God and what it means to trust in Him and to continue to trust in Him. And I think that if we just do that, if we just continue to trust in God, not giving up, man, we'll make a lasting impact and legacy as well. Amen? And so we just need to be a people that continue to pursue and proclaim Jesus together with our lives. Be a church that is devoted to good works and giving God glory. And the Bible says that when we do that, others will see, including our kids, our grandchildren, our, our community, people in the church, in the world, they'll see and they'll give glory to God. And so let's give glory to God as we just worship Him, praise Him now. We're going to take communion. The elements are in the aisles there. Feel free to grab that as we sing this song. And we're just going to praise God that he can make uh, life out of death and he can forgive our sins. So God, we just thank you so much, Lord, for who you are. We bless your name. We thank you, God, 
for just the testimony of how you're working in and through us. And we want to continue to give you glory and come now just receiving your grace again, praising your name for your grace, Lord. What a blessing it is to be able to take communion to say, we are not good enough. We want to walk in repentance, God. We want to say, forgive us. We want to make a lasting impact like Hezekiah, but not because of our example, but because of your godly example. So we bless your name. We praise you. We thank you for all that you're doing in our hearts. And we just pray, Lord, that your kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven until you return and reign again. Until then, Lord, reign in our hearts. May we celebrate your good news. And may we go to you, God, for you are the God that gives life. You are the God that is light in this dark world. And we want to be so enthroned and, and just um, marveled by you and worship you, Lord, that that light would flow from us to others. So fill us afresh with your spirit. Let us remember your grace and let us enjoy this time of responding and worshiping you, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen. This is Pastor Daniel Williams with Redemption Church. Thank you so much for listening to this message. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or YouTube so you never miss a message. The mission of Redemption Church is to pursue and to proclaim Jesus, and we would love to have you partner with us. Feel free to share these messages with your family and friends. And also, if you'd like to donate to the ministry, go to redemptiondb.com. God bless you.